It's time to be all that you can be in 23, starting with a cold plunge to get a natural boost in energy. Focus, discipline, and resilience. The plunge can provide you with all that brilliance. This is the ultimate home cold water therapy experience. A sleek, slick, custom-designed unit that gives you ready access to a cold bath of clean, filtered, circulating water that you can set to your desired temperature. Don't fool around lugging bags of ice from the supermarket for once-in-a-while action. Get the plunge so you will actually stick with your protocol and enjoy it. Visit at thecoldplunge.com to learn all about this sensational product and the benefits of therapeutic cold water exposure. They'll deliver a plunge to your home for free, and then you have easy, simple setup, regular plug-in, and you're off and running. I set mine to 39. I don't spend a lot of time, but the experience is prime, and I'm focused and energized for a fantastic day and more resilient against all other forms of stress in life. Take the plunge, people, and also check out their new Rebounder mini trampoline to pair with plunging and optimize lymphatic function. It's all at thecoldplunge.com, and you can't lose with their generous 30-day money-back guarantee and special discount for BRAD podcast listeners using the code BRAD, thecoldplunge.com. Welcome to the Primal Endurance Podcast. Slow down and enjoy the show, where we rap, literally, about everything you need to know. I'm your host, Brad Kearns. Are you ready? Let's go. Hi, listeners. It's Brad Kearns here, welcoming as our special guest, Dr. Ben Lynch. How are you, Ben? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks, Brad. Uh, So we uh, met a a short while ago, and it started with um, an email. I get a ton of emails. I, I try to ignore as many as possible, but... Um, the book title that you submitted and, and told me all about was so compelling. I loved it, and I started to click through and read it. And um, the title of the book is Dirty Jeans, huh? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, and dirtyjeans.com uh, gives more information. You're also doing a Dirty Jeans Summit, a summit with all kinds of uh, expert guests talking about um, the, I guess, recent advancements in genetic science that are helping us to uh, helping guide us to good health practices. So I want to I want to just wind you up and turn you loose because there's so many interesting insights that I got just from my first glance at the book and I think would be great for our listeners that would be interested. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, uh, it's more also just about how our genes get dirty and how to clean them up too. So, you know, you were interviewed on this summit because of your skills and training and, and overtraining. So I think it's, these are important points to understand that that there's many things in life that can dirty our genes besides besides just SNPs. Uh, right. I think we're still, I mean, at least people that I talk to in a casual manner, friends, family, acquaintances, um, we still have this fixed mindset, it seems, despite uh, us in the uh, burgeoning uh, evolutionary health movement and progressive health circles, knowing that the genes are the, uh, uh, the, the, the switches that affect uh all manner of body functions at all times. They're kind of the control center, and we have tremendous uh, influence over how our genes express or don't express. But um, generally speaking, people are thinking of their parents and how they have a bad back, and that's because their their father did. <laughs> and you have to get into conversation and go, wait a second, you know, let me um, let, let me broaden the picture here. Yeah, and it's it's uh, you know if you 
if you see various diseases or conditions in your family and say you have bad backs or bad joints or you know alcoholism or insomnia or anxiety or depression or whatever you know you see along your family tree there yeah there might be a genetic component too that's true absolutely but that's what I would consider being the, the passive bystander look. It's like, oh, you know, my mom and my dad and my brother and my grandfather all were alcoholics, and I guess I'm next. But no, that's that's not the case. And so I, I really want to empower people to understand why they are genetically susceptible to being an alcoholic or insomniac or depressed or anxious. Uh, because if you understand the genes which are predisposing your risk – then you have tools to reduce your risk dramatically, which is really, really empowering. And that's that's the whole point of the book is to to get people to understand their susceptibilities, how genes work, what their jobs are. And once you understand that, you know how to tweak them and what you're at risk to so you don't have to go down that unfortunate hole. I guess uh, out of the gate, what are some of the biggest uh, turnarounds you see or the biggest potential um, for making uh, lifestyle choices to alter gene expression? Um, in what manner? Well, to improve health or to eliminate or minimize these um, extremely common uh, disease uh, patterns such as uh, obesity, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and cognitive decline. Mm-hmm. So basically what lifestyle uh, behaviors or actions would be kind of mitigating these risks? Sure. Yeah, I would. I would say you know the ones that we all know and uh, we hear all the time. Uh, I would say making sure you're getting deep sleep is a huge one. You know, just going to bed and sleeping isn't key. You actually have to evaluate your sleep. Are you? And there's ways to do that. You know, Aura Ring, I like Sleep Cycle app is good. Uh, minimizing light exposure before bed and your your screen time before bed. This is all becoming. Uh, very mainstream, understandable, but sleep is the time for your body to to really clean up. Uh, your brain included. If you don't get adequate deep sleep, you know your risk for dementia increases dramatically, and uh, you're more anxious and are unable to focus. So it, this will really put more work on your genes. Uh, if you're not sleeping well, I would say also, um, you know, proper breathing. If you're not oxygenating well, then your your entire system is is hurting. So you, you got to learn how to, to properly breathe. And I was never taught how to breathe in school. Were you, Brad? Not in, not in the schools I attended, but, uh, you know, reading some great books. Uh, I remember way back uh, when I was still a uh, competing athlete, I read Body-Minded Sport by John Dooliard, and he was talking about nose breathing uh-huh. and, you know, closing your mouth and just breathing through your nostrils during, during a workout to kind of uh, help the parasympathetic balance out the traditional sympathetic response that we get when we're doing something like exercise. And, uh, you know, these things are now becoming really popular. You have whole podcast shows talking about mouth taping and all this stuff. And it's really, uh, it seems like there's an awakening, uh, in, in recent years where, um, more and more people are kind of on this, on the same path, listening to uh, a similar message and, and taking action and kind of writing some of these, um, some of these adverse lifestyle practices that have been happening for so long, like, you know, the, the stand-up desk movement and 
all the work that uh, Katie Bowman and Kelly Starrett have done in that area to just promote increased general everyday movement rather than, you know, just working out and then going and sitting on a couch. Um, I think on this show, I'd like to get into your protocol a little bit because it's, it's really interesting where you have the soak and scrub cycle the first two weeks, and then you have the spot cleaning, uh, t- the title of your, uh, your journey for the second two weeks. And also maybe because our listeners are pretty sophisticated, um, I want to jump in just like we were talking about offline to some of these uh, particulars and, the, and your chapters are named after um, these certain prominent genes that um, have uh, probably a lot of interest to people about how they affect your, your daily living. Um, so maybe we'll just uh, we'll spotlight a couple of those and you can and tell a little story and that'll get people uh, more interested in your work and in your summit. For sure. So um, you're identifying the, um, the challenges of modern life and how they're adversely affecting uh, gene expression. And then we are directed to go into this uh, soak and scrub phase for two weeks. So what's that all about? Yeah, the soak and scrub phase is basically doing what your grandma told you to do. You know, and, and you know, the, the prior to the soak and scrub phase, you've learned what your genes roles are doing. There's, there's seven genes that I talk about that are really important for your major systems in your body. And so I tell you their jobs, their roles, and, and how they get dirty and once they get dirty, they don't function very well, and you get symptoms. So this, the, the soak and scrub is, is basically, you know, let's just clean out the basic trash uh, and the, the poor routines and habits that you have one by one. And, it, you know, if it's, you can get it done in two weeks, fantastic. That's really impressive. Uh, if it takes you two years, then it takes you two years. Uh, you know, there's no rush on that. Um, but I don't want you moving to the spot cleaning because that's where you start addressing the gene specifically. So the soak and scrub is just basically, you know, a lifestyle that uh, is really conducive towards uh, supporting your health. And and we we don't really understand that or, or take well, take a moment to understand what our genes are doing. And, and they're working for us. That's all that they're doing. They're working hard on our behalf. And if they can't do the jobs that they need to do, we get symptoms. And instead of taking a pill to make these symptoms go away or be quiet or shut up, we can understand why those symptoms are there and support the genes so those symptoms go away. Because the symptoms are basically, you know, your genes screaming for help. And so you, you clean up your sleep, your diet, your lifestyle, your mindset, uh, your environment, uh, the chemicals that you're exposed to on an everyday basis. Um, and there's a lot of these tools and tricks, uh, you know, you shared some, uh, you know, as well as on the Dirty Gene Summit. And in the book, I have lots of uh, tricks that I've done with my past patients and clients. So that's that's the basis of the, the clean genes protocols is because you can't, you can't really start adding supplementation until you do the basics. In fact, in the, in the entire soak and scrub, I'm not sure if you saw that, Brad, or not, but I don't recommend any supplements. Uh, it's it's diet, it's mindset, it's cleaning up your environment. Uh, I have a bonus chapter at drbenlynch.com, uh, which is called the ABCs of Clean Genes, and so you can check that out to kind of get an, a basis understanding. It's it's free, um, but A stands for avoid, B stands for breathe, C stands for chew, uh, D I don't remember, maybe digest, but I can't remember. Um, but these are all the basics, and it's all without supplementation. So I don't want people supplementing until they clean out of the garage, basically. 
Yeah, I like where you also put that that mindset component in, and one of the one of the subtitles uh, in that chapter is banish regrets. So don't have any guilt trips if you do uh, uh, depart from your dietary goals. Uh, Doctor Patel's quote: "Your decision to be healthy starts with your next bite." <laughs> uh-huh. um, and I think that's a that's a huge one for people, especially now. There's you know the the knowledge is easily shared and i think so many people have a very high knowledge base of what they should do and how they should eat and there's not a there's not a lot of major argument left over that we should still be following a grain based high carbohydrate diet for for the most part um but you know even if even if people uh that are very knowledgeable very aware and very motivated um we kind of get our our own heads in the way and, you know, perfect is the enemy of good and all these things. So um, that was nice to uh, to pop that in there. And I think even the, um, you know, the eating tips are getting a little deeper with uh, suggestions like, um, you know, chewing your food uh, more completely and things that you may have heard in passing, but don't realize the significance of how that affects the digestive process. Oh, don't drink cold beverages during meals. Darn it. I, I, uh, I, I sometimes do that. It tastes good, but... Um, you're talking about how that's uh, affecting your digestion and um, many other things. You're an advocate of fasting during this um, silk and scrub phase because we know about the profound benefits of uh, you know intermittent fasting and, and letting the body uh, enhance immune function and cell repair during those times that we're not constantly stuffing our face with food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's uh, you know it's it's a journey and and we have to just accept that and it's not sexy. I mean, we we tend to tune into various different podcasts to to learn to see if there's a magic bullet or something that we can just quickly enhance our our health. And and some of us listen to podcasts because we just want to learn yet one more thing to add uh, and improve ourselves and optimize our function. And that's fantastic. If you're listening to podcasts or reading books to look for the magic bullet, you're not going to find it. I mean, you know, Brad, your book, your latest latest one, Keto Reset, I think is is fantastic. Where you know, but that's just one element, right? I mean, it's not it's not the holy grail. Sure, and I think uh, again, back to the mindset, it's it's easy to get overwhelmed sometimes, and you know, listening to these very strong, uh, emphatic uh, counter opinions. So you wonder whether um, fasting is a, uh, a, a adrenal uh, adrenal stress and and uh, triggering the fight or flight response, and then you're supposed to drink a high fat uh, coffee beverage every morning to to uh, counteract that, and then the next person saying that there's no nutrition in there and it's it's um, just going to uh, compromise your uh, fat reduction goals and uh, it's it's not really fasting because you're processing calories and then the person gets into a head spin where um, they don't know what to do and I think sometimes when we get overwhelmed we reach for the nearest uh, pint of Ben and Jerry's so yes um, yes I think it's you know it's good to go to this back to basics approach where you're you're so soaking and scrubbing and then uh, after two weeks you want them to go into the spot cleaning which I think will transition us into some discussion about these individual genes that was so fascinating to me. So what do you do on the spot cleaning? Yeah, the spot cleaning. And, and before either of these, there's there's quizzes. So uh, you, you take a quiz to see how dirty each particular gene is. So there's, you know, I don't know how many questions there are for each one, but let's say there's eight questions for, you know, how, if your MTHFR gene is dirty or your, your uh, glutathione gene, if it's dirty, so you, you soak and scrub, and then you retake 
uh, a quiz, but it's a new quiz. It's a little bit more comprehensive. And so once you evaluate, okay, yeah, I actually scored pretty high on this gene. I got like 10 out of 13 uh, positive on this COMT, this slow COMT. So yeah, that, that gene's definitely dirty. And my MTHFR gene, God, you know, I have MTHFR, but I only score like a one out of 15. So apparently, even though I have MTHFR, according to my genetic test, it's actually looking pretty good according to this quiz. So I, I'm, I'm quizzing you real time to see how your genes are functioning. And I've learned these questions over the years of working with countless patients and clients and working with docs all over the world. So I, I know what to ask. I don't even need a lab test to determine that. So the spot cleaning, basically, we, we look at seven genes, and I pick these genes because they're very, very well-researched, and the data is very solid. And there's a whole uh, bibliography in the back of Dirty Genes, too, where I show you uh, the research in the book that I use. Um, you know, this isn't hypothetical stuff. If it is, I, I tell you. Um, otherwise, it's, it's all researched or, or clinical. Um, so the spot cleaning is basically working on cleaning up your score sheet. So your, your quiz, say you scored poorly on a slow COMT, well, you can go to the spot cleaning section where it talks about how to support someone with a slow COMT. And COMT is a gene which helps process your estrogen, your dopamine, your norepinephrine, and your epinephrine. And if it's working slowly, then you tend to have higher levels of estrogen, higher levels of dopamine, higher levels of norepi. And as a result, there's benefits to that, but there's also negatives and that's, there's benefits to all these different genes, and there's also negatives to all of them. So the, you can go to these spot sections and, and clean them up, but you have to go in a certain order. I'm not going to tell you that order now because that's part of the, the beauty of the book is I've learned that you can't just jump in and say you, your COMT gene is the dirtiest. Your slow COMT is really, really dirty, but you can't start there. So even though you've done the, the clean genes uh, protocol, the soak and scrub, you still need to now go back and go in a certain order of cleaning your genes in a methodical manner. Because there's this one gene that we talk about that's highly associated with cardiovascular disease. And if you have cold hands and feet, this gene is dirty. Uh, it's that simple. And this is the NOS3 gene. This is a nitric oxide synthase. And athletes use a lot of arginine, right? I guess, if you say so. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's there's a number of athletes that I know will load up with arginine to try to enhance their performance and their circulation, and I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, there's various reasons why, and I talk about why in the book. Um, but your your cardiovascular system and your health is very dependent upon this one gene, but it's very, very easy to get dirty. So if you have cold hands and feet, poor circulation, um, heart risk in your family, cardiovascular disease risk, uh, recurrent miscarriages, uh, high blood pressure, migraines, um, you know, this, this is a sign that this gene is dirty, but it's dirtied by environmental toxins, it's dirtied by stress, it's dirtied by uh, nutrient deficiencies, and so on. So you have to clean up all this other stuff before you just clean this gene. So if you just try spot cleaning that, so if you skip the whole book and you know that you have a dirty NOS3 and you go right to spot cleaning, it won't work. Um, and I discuss why throughout the book. Um, so let's let's talk about those isolated genes. Um, you can you can take your pick if you want to start in, since we've been talking about um, the the NOS three. Um, 
what does it do and why is it uh, highlighted? What's the, what's the big importance it looks like for disease risk? Yeah, so NOS3, so there's seven genes in the book and I, I picked each one. Uh, one, the criteria had to be well-researched. The other one, it had to do something very significant, um, you know, according to the research that a lot of people would relate to and want to re, uh, reduce their risk. And uh, it had to be actionable. It would have to cover a, a significant body system. So NOS3 is a cardiovascular system. And so cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women, uh, especially uh, postmenopause. And this gene is, is regulated by uh, various things. Estrogen is, helps stimulate uh, this gene. So as your estrogen levels drop, uh, your risk for cardiovascular disease goes up um, with this one gene. Now, there's, there's other things. If you have high estrogen levels, you also can have a problem, you know, but it's, you know, we're talking about this one particular gene here. Um, so it's very multifaceted, but this gene, what it does is it uses your arginine to make nitric oxide, but arginine is also used by your body to help, uh, fight infections. And that will make nitric oxide for killing the infections instead of dilating your blood vessels. So if you have a chronic infection, like a viral one or Lyme or mold uh, or a bacterial infection, you're using up a lot of your arginine to make nitric oxide via a different gene to kill these pathogens. So if you're exercising or training and you're sick, you're not going to get the cardiovascular support that you need because you're, all your arginine or a lot of it is going towards killing these infections. So you're not going to be able to perform very well. So you need to identify these infections and get rid of them. And if you're overtrained, then you are predisposing yourself to a weaker immune system, which increases your susceptibility to an infection, and then your training performance is going to go down. So you need to make sure that you're not overtraining and you get enough rest, rest times to, to do that and make sure you're sleeping well so your terrain is healthy and vibrant and eating well so you're, you're reducing your risk and you're your stomach is producing stomach acid. So if you eat a food or drink something, that bacteria or the viruses that are on that food or you know, in the drink, your, your stomach acid will kill them. So your nitric oxide won't have to go there and do it for you. And one uh, such uh, bacteria that lives in our gut is Helicobacter pylori. And for every decade old you are, that's how much risk you are for getting this infection. And so if you're 50 years old, you 50% chance of having H. pylori in your gut. If you're 80, you have an 80% chance and so on. And it tends to, to run in families. Um, so the problem, why I'm mentioning this is it's very associated with a lot of stomach issues and your arginine will be sucked away to try to kill the H. pylori, but H. pylori is smart and it will process the nitric oxide and your body can't kill it. So if you're trying to exercise all the time or you notice that your hands and feet are always cold, you know, you got to look for infections. Um, it's, it's a big one. Uh, we also hear about the, the mother, the MTHFR gene mm. uh, commonly. Mm. And uh, I've listened to podcasts where they just uh, mention it really quickly and then carry on with the story. And I've heard, of, I've heard it so much. Uh, I'd like to get uh, deeper into this one because it seems like another prominent uh, influence on your health, the MTHFR gene. 
Yes, it's a big one. And uh, I call this one in the book the methylation master. And, you know, MTHFR itself, its primary job is to make the main folate in your body. We all know folic acid as trash. You should never use folic acid unless that's the only thing laying around and you don't have any vegetables. Then, yeah, use it, um, but sparingly. So I have all videos on YouTube more about this, but um, the methylation master, MTHFR, his job is to make methylfolate, and methylfolate supports methylation, and methylation supports over 200-plus other genes in your body which support your neurotransmitter elimination, your histamine uh, breakdown, supports your glutathione production, it supports your immune system, supports, uh, gosh, um, what else? Um, your ability to sleep, it helps synthesize uh, melatonin. So it does a tremendous number of things, and it also helps process your estrogens and get them out, the, the bad ones. And it helps process the synthesis of creatine, um, which we need for our muscles and our brain. Um, and you know, kids with autism have very low creatine levels, and they they're tend to be very weak and not toned at all. And they have speech delays and you give them creatine and their speech tends to improve and they start getting more muscle definition. And phosphatidylcholine is also need for, for methyl, you know, by methylation. So phosphatidylcholine is used heavily uh, in your gallbladder, well, in your liver for synthesizing bile. So you can get gallstones if you don't have enough phosphatidylcholine. And this is a huge problem. And then you also have cell membrane problems and every single cell in your body has ton of phosphatidylcholine in it. And if you don't, these cells are very, very sick. And if your cells are sick, you're sick. It's that simple. So MTHFR helps support all of these systems. And if it's, if it's dirty, then your cell membranes, your neurotransmitters, your detoxification, all these things are, are not working right. The beautiful thing is, is you can get uh, methylfolate from your leafy green vegetables. You can get it from organ meats, especially liver. Uh, I recommend you know younger grass-fed uh, cows uh, for liver um, rather than older you know lot-fed cattle. That would not be a healthy form of liver to consume. Um, and people with hypothyroidism uh, will have a slower, dirtier anti-shafar because the thyroid helps make the nutrient that your MTHFR gene needs, which is a very active form of riboflavin that you can't just buy over the counter. It's, it's made in your body. So when you take the riboflavin supplement, your thyroid hormone will convert it into what's called FAD, and then your MTHFR gene will use that, well, your MTHFR enzyme will use that to make methylfolate. So if you're hypothyroid, your MTHFR gene is dirty. And how many people are hypothyroid? I mean, it's, it's staggering. Um, can you define methylation, what, what that process is? Yeah, methylation is, a, is a, it's an action. So ation is an action and methyl is a methyl group. And a methyl is the simplest compound in the body. It's a carbon and three hydrogens and it binds to stuff. And when you have this carbon uh, and three hydrogens, this methyl group, and it binds to something like, say, uh, your histamine, it will make that histamine into methylhistamine which then will need other things to process out. But it will change the structure of the compound so you can, it will alter it. So if you bind a methyl group uh, through the act of methylation to a, you're an RNA base in your body, 
it will change an RNA base of uracil into thymine. That's uh, an active methylation. It will change your a compound of serotonin, and it will turn your serotonin into melatonin. So and it will do that by adding a methyl group to it. So it's basically just the action of being able to take a methyl group and take and be able to give it from one compound to another one. Homocysteine is a very commonly understood compound that people will test for, and you should test for it. And homocysteine, it's if it becomes methylated, it becomes methionine. And I like to call methionine methyl homocysteine because homocysteine is unmethylated, and you add a methyl group to it, it becomes methyl homocysteine, which is also methionine, and when you and that will support your system. But you can quickly tell if your methylation system isn't working very well by ordering a homocysteine test, and if it's over, say, seven, uh, you know, an adult, you know, you know, you want it ideally around six or seven. Uh, if it's ten or above, you definitely need to get that down by taking nutrients that support methylation, like methylfolate, methylcobalamin, which is vitamin B twelve and folate, and vitamin B six and riboflavin are very useful. So listeners, if we're getting uh, a little scientific for you, fear not, because when you get into this book, we have cute things like the uh, the quiz uh, on chapter 14, where under the heading of MTHFR, what we've just been discussing, you get these uh, simple subjective questions like, I get short of breath or become red in the face after exercising. Sometimes I have asthma. I don't tolerate alcohol very well. Uh, I don't eat leafy green vegetables very often. I have difficulty falling asleep. And you check the boxes, and then you look at your score. And so when some of this stuff hits home, um, that's when uh, the alarm bells go off, and you dig deeper into the uh, soak and scrub and then the spot cleaning operations to kind of bring the the science to to practical uh, application and and handle some of these things that are you know, this is, uh, I would say, buried well, well below the uh, the mainstream approach to health and the blood work that you're going to get from your primary physician looking at, um, you know, the hot button items, but not, not going anywhere uh, this deep. So I think it's kind of for people that are on this journey that want to do some problem solving. Sounds like a little bit of detective work, but I do want to put a plug in for the um, for the simple practical approach, because that's what kind of caught me when I was skimming through the book before we did our first show, um, and especially to transition over to this um, COMT gene, and particularly interesting where you have a category of people who are slow COMT and fast COMT. So I'd love to talk about that one and the and the differences uh, with the same gene emphasized. Yeah, this is a great one, and this is really fun. You know, when I was working with my writer. And uh, she goes, Ben, I really want you to hit the personality aspects because they're really interesting. And I, I really want you to also talk about the strengths of every gene, uh, you know, genetic variant too, because there must be strengths to them. And, and she was absolutely right. There were strengths. And so having a, a fast or slow CUMT, there are benefits and there are weaknesses. And, and again, first we have to understand what CUMT means. And, you know, I'll say the, what the abbreviation stands for. It's, it's catecholamine. It's catechol-O-methyltransferase. So what it does is this gene will help methylate catechols. So you say, okay, so we know about methylation. We know that methylation will take a methyl group and bind it to various things. And so what COMT will do is it will help take a methyl group and attach it to estrogen. 
It will take a methyl group and attach it to dopamine or norepinephrine or epinephrine. That's what it, its job is. And so if you have a fast UMT, it will attach this methyl group on these things really quickly and get rid of them. And if you have a slow CMT, it'll just kind of, you know what, it won't bind so many methyl groups to these things and uh, it won't really get the job done. So let's talk about a fast COMT. A fast COMT person, uh, that means that they, they were born with a gene that the fast, the COMT, which is working really quickly, or they weren't born with it, but it became fast. So you can have a gene that you know, it was born a certain way, but you can alter it through lifestyle, diet, and the environment, right? So COMT, it's fast. You take the quiz, and on the quiz score there, a fast COMT will be, you know, I can get stressed out, but guy, I relax right away after. I can chill out. It doesn't really bother me. I'm the class clown. Um, I'm known to, you know, kind of be more ADD, kind of, you know, have a conversation and flip over to another subject, you have difficulty concentrating for a long periods of time. Uh, you tend to fall asleep right away. Um, you're happy-go-lucky. Uh, you're a risk taker. You you like to to go and do things that that really stimulate you and uh, kind of push you over the edge. And other people look at you like you're crazy. Um, you tend to have uh, sometimes a more addicted personality um, to shopping, sex, uh, drugs, alcohol, smoking. Um, so all these things are, you know, it's a mix of pros and cons. So that's a fast CMT personality type. And then you have a slower CMT where their dopamine levels are tend to be higher than the people who have a fast CMT and their estrogen tends to be uh, higher uh, in their blood as well. So these slow CMT personality types, they tend to have pretty bad PMS. Um, so that time of the month is, is really bad for them. Uh, they tend to be very focused uh, people, they can really buckle down and get a lot of work done. They're very driven. I would actually go so far as to say they're, they're more prone to be type A personality types. They lay in bed and stare at the ceiling and count sheep. And they're like, damn it, you know, here I go again. I can't sleep. So they just get up and continue working. Uh, they also tend to, to work until they're absolutely exhausted and then they're, they're done. So they're the kind of the work hard, uh, grind it completely until it's done um, and then they will hopefully play hard. So they'll take a long vacation because they know they have to. So those are the two different types. And when you have a marriage or a relationship where you have alternates like this, it's a very, very important uh, distinction to understand because if you know someone is a slow COMT type and you get an argument, well, it's going to take them time to calm down after you have an argument. So let them walk away. Let them you know, have time to, to chill out and then resume the, the communication when they're calmed down. And if it gets heated up again, you'll be fine with a faster COMT, but your slow COMT partner, they're going to they're gonna struggle and they'll get really emotional and they'll just do things that they otherwise wouldn't do. Um, so you, you have to keep this balance. And the, the good news is, is if you find out on the quiz that you're a fast COMT, you can do things like increasing more protein in your diet. Uh, you can possibly supplement with tyrosine, but that's kind of the last resort. I don't want people supplementing their problems away. I want them doing the lifestyle stuff. If you're a slow COMT, you can say if you have difficulty falling asleep at night, you don't eat that much protein in the evening because tyrosine will make more uh, dopamine and, and norepinephrine. So if you don't eat enough protein before bed, then 
you find out that, God, you know, I actually fall asleep better or you don't eat late. So there's a lot of tricks that you can do to neutralize this. You don't have to just say and put up with your slow or fast partner uh, with CMT. You could actually alter these genes and how they're working and performing so you can both be more balanced and have a stable COMT and get along. So that's that's the beauty is you can really do this. And once you alter it or support it, it's not like you're done. It's it's a continuous tweak and and uh, being aware and being able to manage it and say, guy, you know what? My COMT is slower today and uh, I need to make sure I don't have that much protein for dinner tonight. And you'll get there because the book is easy. <laughs> it's It's packed, man. We're just getting bits and pieces here. And I think it's really um, it's something something to dig in deep, and uh, especially when you can pinpoint uh, the stuff that's most relevant to you and uh, direct application of uh, lifestyle uh, behaviors to, to write these things. And it's also interesting to kind of, uh, it's like the uh, Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies bestselling book these days, where you're identifying these four personality types, and then you can kind of easily pick out uh, the people around you, what types they are, and how to best uh, communicate with them, and how to understand and and work with them, and and be uh, empathetic to you know how people are, are different in so many ways. So I, I love that you got into the genetics part. Um, the uh, the book ends with a section about the future of uh, of genetic science, gene health. So where are we going with this? Because I think a lot of listeners are aware of the the testings that are available now. Um, I did the DNA fit testing and, and had some amazing insights come to me uh, that I wish I'd known, you know, a long time ago where uh, my my endurance to strength uh, ratio was in favor of strength. That was like 56% strength, 44% endurance. And as some listeners know, I'm a lifelong endurance athlete. I was a triathlete, you know, strictly focused on ultra high endurance activities. But here I was, you know, kind of um, in opposition with my genetics uh, that I that I didn't even realize until I look back and go, oh yeah, I was the guy that fell apart after you know bu- busy long training weeks without a break, but I was really powerful and explosive on the courses that had steep hills, and I was able to just punch those hills and, and pass everybody. And you know when you when you learn more about your genetics and then play to play to your strengths and acknowledge your weaknesses, uh, boy, it it can it can help in so many areas of life. So. Where are we going, man? What are we going to do with this uh, genetic testing stuff? Wow, that's it's a new frontier, and it's it's, it's an exciting one. And and I'll say that I'm I'm hoping that dirty genes will help clear the mud of pun intended of how people are utilizing genetic testing because people will order genetic testing and they'll think they're destined to insomnia or alcoholism, but it, that's not the case. Um, where I see genetic testing going is a movement of people ordering genetic testing to see their susceptibilities early on. Just like you mentioned, Brad, where you wish you had known that you were more uh, strength-oriented than endurance because that would have really made things better for you and you wouldn't have to work so hard and struggle with uh, the recovery. And I, I think that's where it's going. And for me, I believe that you know prevention is where it's going. It's because right now we're we're using genetic testing for treatment, but I see it going for prevention. And so early on, we are testing babies at birth for things like phenylketonuria, PKU disease, to make sure that they're not going to die from uh, phenylalanine uh, exposure because they can't break it down, which is a pretty common issue, which is why your babies get stuck in the heel. So that's the prevention things. Uh, celiac should be screened uh, immediately upon birth too. 
Uh, hemochromatosis should be screened upon birth. Um, people who are doing preconception planning um, and for their babies uh, are trying to get pregnant, um, then I, I would say that they should be planning. And I'm not talking about looking for diseases that uh, or, or genes that increase the you know high prevalence uh, of cystic fibrosis because um, you can't do anything about that. What I'm talking about is if you if you do a preconception test and you see that you have MTHFR or PEMT or NOS3, like we talk about in dirty genes, then you can say, all right, I've got these three genes that increase my risk for miscarriage or reduce blood flow to the baby. Uh, I need to take care of this because I can re- I can reduce my risk. And I do it all the time with, with women. And uh, they go on to have beautiful babies um, and healthy kids growing up. So I believe it's going the direction of prevention. And I will share a story here. Um, my wife uh, struggles with post-workout soreness in a huge way. I mean, really, really big for her where she will go and do yoga. In fact, she's at yoga right now. And she would do yoga. She'd come home and she'd be fine. And she'd be all happy. The next day, bam, sore. Next day after that, sore. That sounds like me, man. I go, I go big time in the yoga class, especially when I do my sister's ninety degree class, and I'm getting, I'm getting kudos from the real yoga people. I'm contorting, and then the next morning, oh my gosh, I, I don't know what I did to myself. I, I kind of just, you know, ease into um, uh, the, the the high temperature, and the, and the, you know, you're able to hit these positions. But yeah, what's the story with that? It's you know, exercise is a stress. It's a stress, and, and it's a good stress. The problem is the stress, it can, if you're pushing it too hard or your body responds to stress like there's a, a huge emergency, it's going to put a lot of fire out there. So, you know, for example, if, if uh, you light a match on a piece of wood that's dry and it's pretty thick, it's not going to light very well, right? But if you light a match on drier lint, uh, you know, it's going to explode. So people have genes which increase their their fire in their body, and they turn on fire way better than others, and their ability to extinguish it is less than others. So this is the glutathione genes and the SOD genes. SOD I don't talk about much in the book. I might bring it up, but SOD is in uh, GST. These two genes really put out fire. So when you exercise, you're creating fire, and if your fire extinguishers aren't good, your post-workout recovery is going to be very, very slow, and it's going to take you days to recover. It'll just be really, really sore, and then it'll prevent you from working out comfortably the next day, and so you'll push through it, but you're still sore. And so would, my wife would uh, literally have to take about five days off, and she'd be all frustrated. She would be, could barely walk, um, and she's like, damn it. And I was like, let's go for a walk. She goes, Ben, I, I can't, I, I went for a hike yesterday. And it's like, God, so you get frustrated with your significant other and it's not cool. So what I did is I looked at her genes and, you know, I don't know the clinical relevance of all of them, but I know that she has two genes, which really increase the production of what's called superoxide. And so superoxide is very damaging and it's great when you have an infection. But if you're exercising, it's not great uh, to have it so fast. And it's actually targeted towards uh, conditions like ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, so and athletes can struggle from this. So what you need to do is you need to support the elimination of superoxide. And there's a compound called PQQ. And PQQ is like a, 
it's like the world's best antioxidant. It's phenomenal. It, you know, you talk about vitamin E and vitamin C, and, but these things will quench a, a pro-oxidant, uh, you know, and it will get rid of it, but they can only do it, say, one time or four times. PQQ can do it 20,000 times before it gets damaged. So I gave my wife once uh, PQQ when she was complaining of, of soreness. Well, I shouldn't say complaining, mentioning, because she doesn't complain. She's tough, uh, too tough. Um, so I gave her PQQ one day because as I was reading about it, I said, here, try this. And uh, she came back literally within 10 minutes, walked back in my office. She goes, my pain's gone. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, it's gone. And, you know, I could give her glutathione. I could give her all these supplements, this carnitine and all these things. And it's like a brick wall to her. She's like, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything. She's so tough. But I gave her PQQ, bam. She's like, and she took the bottle. I gave her the bottle and she wrote my PQQ on the lid. And every time she goes and exercise, she takes one prior to exercise. And if she works too hard or she'll take another one post. And uh, that it's, it's a game changer. I'm telling you, Brad, it's, it's phenomenal. So take a PQQ uh, prior to exercising or immediately after, and it will really help. What you need to understand with PQQ, though, is, is it can really increase the clarity of your brain and make your neurotransmitters fire on all cylinders, which is a good thing. But you also need to be aware that it can increase your neurotransmitters to allow them fire. So you need to make sure that that uh, doesn't make you too anxious. So you might want to start with 10 milligrams or something. Interesting. Good stuff. Uh, tell me about the Dirty Gene Summit. If people want to go deep into this, it sounds like you're, you're putting together a fantastic program. Yeah. So the Dirty Gene Summit, you know, Dirty Gene's book is phenomenal, but, you know, I'm an expert in one area and I want to bring in other experts. So such as yourself, Brad, I, I wanted to talk about overtraining and the significance of that. So you've talked about that. I've, breathing is super important. And so I brought in Patrick McEwen, who's the oxygen advantage and te- teaches Olympic athletes and, and other people how to properly breathe. Like you were talking about nose breathing. I brought in specialists for sleep and how to improve your sleep because I talk about all these things in the book, but I felt that I really needed to do dive down deeper in things because I can't write a, a 4,000 page book. You know, it's, it's not practical. So the Dirty Gene Summit is to really give you actionable, practical uh, tips from experts in these various areas like healthy eating or the elimination diet or uh, supporting your digestive system or identifying infections in your gut. What tests you use? I brought in uh, David, Dr. David Brady is a chief scientific officer of Diagnostic Laboratories to talk about a really, really good um, uh, gut infection test that everybody should be using because all the other ones, frankly, are crap. Um, so I brought on hormone experts to talk about uh, how you can identify if your estrogens are harmful because you know most doctors don't really understand that estrogen fractionation is a huge problem. And you know there's no real good ways to check methylation status rather than just homocysteine. And so, but you can look at your estrogen metabolism and what tests do you use for that? And so I brought in, you know, Carrie Jones for that and Sarah Gottfried. And so, you know, we've got over 30 amazing experts to talk about these things. And I also brought in folks for, you know, what do they do in their life on a, on a daily day basis if they're super busy and successful, like Wellness Mama, 
you know, she's out there kicking butt uh, on a business and she's huge website, but yet she has seven kids and she homeschools them too. And she's a mom. So how does she manage her days? So I, I talk about that too. So there's a lot of great resources. It's free. Uh, it starts at January 22nd and, uh, it's, it's worth it, man. I, it's, it's an exceptional thing. And it's also podcasting. So it, I shouldn't say podcast. They're all audio. So you don't have to sit on your butt and watch videos. You can opt in and you can put it on your phone and go for a walk around the neighborhood, strap the phone to your arm or something and off you go. Um, and, uh, if you buy the summit, then you can download them and it's all transcribed too. And you can download them to your phone. Um, and you can go and exercise or listen to your car if you want to. So you're not stuck to a computer. Uh, I'm sorry. The, uh, reception cut out. What was the price of the summit again? Oh, the price it's free. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's cool, man. Thanks yeah. for, thanks for gathering up the gang. Um, I'm looking at dirtyjeans.com. Uh, it looks like there's all kinds of info there and some other free gifts when you buy the book. And I suppose that the summit will be, uh, uh, available too, uh, right from that, that link. And we can, uh, go get, get involved in everything that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Ben Lynch is my, my own website, but, uh, yeah, dirty jeans is, is, uh, dirty jeans.com. will get you all the links that you need to have to buy the book and pre-order on Amazon. Uh, it's the, Publication date is January 30th, but the bonuses that you get if you order now are phenomenal. Uh, you get videos, you get bonus chapters, you get coupons. Um, they're really good. And uh, there's a course, too. That's a, It's an amazing course that people are talking about and, and thriving from the information. It's it's called the Dirty Jeans course. Imagine that. But I we dive into air, food, water, and shelter and uh, give practical insights to that, too. So that's, uh, I think... For the course and the book, it's 57 bucks. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Interesting guest, Dr. Ben Lynch, laying it out there all about genes. Thank you for being on the Primal Blueprint podcast. Thank you, listeners. Have a great day. This is your host, Brad Kearns. Hi, it's Brad Kearns to tell you about Paleo Cooking Boot Camp. Oh, what fun. Finally, you have a chance to learn from a real professional about intentional cooking, where you maximize the efficiency of your time, dedicate two hours on the weekend to cooking, and Chef Katie French, the earthivore, will take you through this incredible whirlwind cooking session where you cook enough in two hours to have ready-made delicious paleo approved meals for the entire week paleocookingbootcamp.com this is a digital version of her award-winning course that was given to students live in the bay area and now wherever you are whatever you're doing you can have a step-by-step approach that makes it easy to succeed in the kitchen even if you're not a big foodie even if you're a little intimidated about doing recipes just push the play button and Katie will take you through the cooking course. It's a two-hour boot camp every weekend designed to last for a month and you will be dialed with your paleo meals. Just open up that refrigerator door. Imagine having all these delicious snacks and breakfast items, dinner entrees, dessert treats even. And let me tell you, I was on the set watching this whole production. It is the real deal. The food is absolutely amazing and you will be surprised what you can accomplish in the kitchen with an intentional cooking method. There's no other course like this found in the world. We looked, believe me. So check out paleocookingbootcamp.com and enroll today.